1: We're glad you could listen to our show today on Workers' Comp Matters. I'm attorney Alan Pierce. I practice law in Salem, Massachusetts, with the law firm of Alan Pierce & Associates, and we represent injured workers and their families, primarily in workers' compensation cases before the Department of Industrial Accidents as well as um, before the Social Security Administration in Social Security Disability cases. We want to thank our audience for listening to our past shows here on the Legal Talk Network. Uh, We focus on topics, as you can tell, relating to workers' compensation cases. As you probably know, there are many types of cases and many types of claims, and what we want to talk about on today's program are psychiatric disability claims and the problems they pose not only to the attorneys representing the injured worker who suffers an on-the-job injury that produces a psychiatric disability Uh, but also for the employers and insurers and and people who have to defend these particular types of claims. Uh, Joining me today to discuss these cases is a well-known attorney in Massachusetts, Attorney Bernard Mulholland. Bernie is with the uh, law firm of Ford, Mulholland & Moran, PC, in Brockton, Massachusetts, where he has been practicing uh, workers' compensation and related disability law for over 20 years he had previously been an associate with the law offices of bernard cohen inc in brockton he's a member and past chair of the workers' compensation subcommittee of the workers of i'm sorry of the massachusetts bar association he's also a member of the massachusetts academy of trial attorneys and the plymouth county bar association welcome to the show bernie
2: well, thank you. Good afternoon to you and your audience too, Alan. Thank you,
1: Bernie. Um, I I know you've handled a lot of psychiatric cases. Let's start the topic with a discussion of the different types of psychiatric cases in the workers' compensation setting and how the prosecution of those cases differs from the traditional uh, physical injury
2: case. Certainly, um, probably the, the the two chief uh, types of cases we see uh, one would be a uh, physical injury which uh, might be a devastating physical injury, uh, or it might just be a very chronic physical injury which lingers, and it produces eventually in the person uh, inflicted uh, a, a an emotional component because that it, as I've said many times to my clients, it's no fun to be in pain, obviously, and so at some point uh, that pain begins to uh, break down the person's ability to cope, and they begin to develop uh, what they call a reactive depression and that can be very debilitating in and of itself at times. Um, So that's something which certainly uh, is is kind of comes to be expected almost uh, depending on the severity of the injury and the duration of its effect. Um, The other type of emotional and and psychiatric type of of case we see, and that is something happening at the job, and it doesn't have to be a single event, um, though those cases sometimes can tend to be easier to prove, But it can also be a series of stresses and strains, uh, things which occur uh, on the job over over a long period of time, which are quite stressful and eventually uh, lead to the person becoming very anxious. They can have panic attacks. They can become themselves very depressed. And it's uh, that type of long-term exposure and or multiple uh, stressors, which can uh, many times lead to the person having to go out of work and go into psychiatric care. And those are kind of a horse of a different color uh, and much tougher cases to be able to establish and to prove.
1: Now, the first group of cases you dis- discussed were the physical injury or the physical stimulus or trauma, which leads to a mental reaction or an emotional or psychological component, the so-called physical slash mental case. And the second example, I think, is mental stimulus or trauma and a mental or emotional reaction. Correct. Um, Historically, how have the courts or industrial accident boards treated those two types of scenarios, the physical-mental and then the
2: mental-mental? I think that uh, because uh, psychological and psychiatric uh, cases are tougher to be able to prove to a, a an audience that might be doubting, um, and, and that includes in many cases, unfortunately, judges and attorneys and insurance adjusters, uh, it it is such uh because you can't do an m r i you cannot uh take x rays you can't you can't take any kind of uh diagnostic tests which are pretty conclusive of an injury the way you can with a physical injury and uh when you have in in a in a physical setting a physical injury which then leads to depression um i think that's much easier to be accepted by uh at least judges anyway um, Than is the, the strictly mental, mental type of case, and that's because the judges, like anyone else, are human, and they can put themselves in the shoes of the person who has been through the horrible physical injury, uh, with the ongoing pain and the and the. Diagnostic tests can certainly show the basis of and the reason for that pain, and so I think it's easier for them to be able to empathize and sympathize with the person who's had to put up with a lot of pain and a lot of discomfort and have lost uh, much by way of their of their quality of life because of the physical injury. I think it's much easier for them to understand how that can then lead to depression and and to eventually debilitating type of depression, uh, which needs to be addressed uh, by psychiatrists, psychologists, and and psychiatric social workers, uh, the need is just as great as uh, the physical injury was, so um, it it is certainly a a uh, an easier case to be able to substantiate um, because of the fact that you're 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 trailing along in a history of physical injury, which in and of itself is pretty impressive usually to a judge
1: and uh, I want to remind our audience that while Bernie and I practice in Massachusetts and our experience in these cases is primarily based upon Massachusetts law. We have 50 states in this country. We have other workers' compensation programs on the federal level and covering other occupations. And uh, anything uh, that might be said either on this program uh, or about cases in general uh, must defer to the particular statutory or case law requirements in any jurisdiction. But having said that, I think Massachusetts followed the general course of the country where uh, mental injury with a physical injury component was generally always compensable, but the mental injury following a mental stimulus without any physical injury really, at least in Massachusetts, didn't develop until the mid-'70s. And uh, I think, Bernie, you're familiar with the case or two cases, Fitzgibbons and Albanese, which broke ground in Massachusetts, eliminating the requirement there be a physical injury. And, Correct. And uh, those followed the civil law that uh, on the, on the tort field, similarly um, there were cases in Massachusetts and elsewhere where the barriers were broken down by the courts that merely because you can 't x ray or that psychiatric disabilities are purely subjective that 's no reason for a court of competent jurisdiction to deny benefits. Um, how do you handle the psychiatric disability claim client let 's say this the purely mental mental case, the person who suffered. Either a single identifiable stressful event, a hold up in the job place, or a series of lesser traumas that cumulatively uh, broke the person down and produced depressive reaction, anxiety disorder, et cetera. How do you handle that client when they walk into your office?
2: Well, actually, one of the things that I, I attempt to do, and I think it's uh, from a practical standpoint, and that is I try to dissuade uh, probably the majority of the people that come in to see me for a so called mental, mental uh, case. Uh, from From going forward um simply because it's a very very stressful uh very emotionally wrenching experience to prosecute one of those cases, so one of the things that i I usually try to impress upon the the person is that uh this is is a, a long journey and it is not going to be an easy one uh that many people come in and will speak to you about the stress involved in his or her job uh as as being the job from hell and and working for an employer uh, from hell, or a supervisor or manager from hell, and that uh, that may very well be the case, and it may be something which uh, is uh, uh, quite untenable uh, for most people to continue working for that person, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the person is disabled. It could be that if they switched their boss tomorrow or they switched their job tomorrow, uh, that they'd be able to function, they'd be able to work, they'd be actually... Uh, would thrive in the environment of working for a different employer. And so unless you have a component of, in which it's a, um intentional infliction of emotional injury by some, some sort of um, awful, sadistic type of employer, um, usually you're, you're going to run into a situation in which the employer and other coworkers and supervisors will come in and they will testify for the insurance company that it isn't such a bad place to work for that this person is overly sensitive or that uh that they are um someone who's not competent and they are someone so it, you get the drift of it that uh, it's going to be kind of putting the employee on trial as to whether they are a good employee or whether they are um emotionally too fragile and and therefore really uh, it's not the job but the person who's at fault for uh the the emotional uh, problems that the person's experiencing and that that is kind of tough for most people to hear because they've been through an awful lot. And although I try to be as as sympathetic as I possibly can, I think it's very important that they understand what they're getting themselves in for um, if this case goes forward. And it really needs to be well documented. It really needs to be uh, a situation in which your own treating physician or your own treating psychiatrist or psychologist um, is, is behind you and is backing you and is willing to say beyond a reasonable degree of medical certainty uh, that the incidence or, or incident at work uh, is the, the cause of. Now, as, as Alan did say, uh, different states have a different standard. When Alan and I first started practicing uh, in Massachusetts, the law was the same for a physical injury as it was for a mental injury. We take the employee the way they, we find him, and that can sometimes uh, be an easier case to prove when it's the as-is mere contribution standard because the fact that the person might be a little bit more emotionally fragile would not be in any way a defense for the insurance company um but that did evolve over time in 1986 it became uh, a substantial contributing factor it had to uh, show that the work and the incidents at work were the substantial contributing cause and now we've reached the point in 1991 where it has to be what we call the predominant cause of the disability and need for treatment and that means that all the other stressors in your life uh, your, your financial situation, problems with your parents or your children or your spouse or your neighbors, um, problems that you've, you've, you have from childhood, that all of those stressors and all of those uh, conditions and, and issues put together uh, are less important than the issues involved at work. And that can be a tough uh, task to prove uh, that, when we take those cases to court.
1: And that brings up an interesting uh, practice consideration, um, we all know that in order to present these cases, we have to do so through medical records. And for a psychiatric disability case, it is primarily uh, psychiatric records, psychotherapy records, and such. Many of these cases do not occur in a vacuum. There is a, oftentimes a prior history of psychiatric treatment. And even if there isn't, the normal psychotherapist, licensed social worker, psychologist, or psychiatrist, when they're treating a work-related psych disability claim, are going to get into family issues, childhood issues, uh, spouse or partner issues, etc, and there is generally among our clients an expectation that the p- patient' psychotherapist privilege would grant some degree of privacy to those records. Uh, I know every time I bring one of these cases, I am immediately faced with a request or a motion for a production of documents for all of the records and Clients don't want to release the records that go to their employer or the insurance company or other third parties. There is oftentimes very, very confidential and controversial material in there. How do you deal with that, Bernie?
2: Well, I think it's it's on a case-to-case basis, although, uh, again, we do try to do everything in our power to uh, prevent uh, those records. If they are embarrassing and they are just the revealing of them is an- another emotional trauma to the client, Uh, We will do our best to shield uh, those records from uh, being seen. Sometimes we can ask a judge if if the records are are pertinent and relevant. We can ask the judge to view them in what we call in-camera, where the judge is looking at the records and seeing whether or not they prevent uh, the insurer. The fact that they're not being shared with the insurer prevents the insurer from effectively defending their case fairly. Um, But sometimes there is no getting around it. Those records have to come in because... Um, It is certainly something that the judge needs to know as to whether these did happen in a vacuum and whether there was a substantial history of psychiatric or psychological problems. So we do our best to try to balance uh, the protection of the client's rights with uh, the the right for a fair trial for all the parties, and though that's uh, the insurance attorney's job to to fight for his or her client, um, unfortunately, the judge is faced with a situation in which they're trying to be as fair as, as they possibly can be. And they also want to know something about this person uh, in order to make a fair and accurate determination as to whether they qualify for workers' compensation benefits. So that's part of the reason why I will caution prospective clients in getting begun on such a, 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 a journey into proving their workers' comp case because I know that that's one of the pitfalls and one of the things which can be very, very traumatic to a a, a claimant. Why is it important that I was abused as a child uh, to why I'm now suffering uh, the torments of of an employer 35 years later? Uh, What difference does it make? And um, in many cases, it doesn't make any difference, but in order to get a a fair evaluation and determination by the judge, they want to look at all of these factors and see whether or not it is much more important than the person's letting on.
1: In fact, you remind me of one of the first cases I had, in fact, it was after the law was broadened in the mid-70s, in which I represented a psychiatric nurse. And in retrospect, of all the areas of uh, medicine or nursing for her to go into, this was probably the least appropriate. But in her background was a history of childhood sexual abuse by a family member when she was a teenager. And it was a borderline repressed memory case. She didn't really have classic repressed memory, but on one particular day in the ER where she was the psych nurse on duty, they brought in a 15-year-old rape victim uh, who was uh, uh, giving a history that she was raped by an uncle. And this, for whatever reason, immediately brought back a flood of memories uh, that had been perhaps partially or or fully uh, uh, hidden or in the background of my client. And she couldn't cope with treating that patient ended up having a full blown nervous breakdown hospitalization et cetera and it was uh, a case that we had to try ultimately settled but it, it 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 illustrates the point that the prior history and then what might happen in the workplace um, could have a, a substantial effect and cause um, a legitimate psychiatric disability uh, Bernie you you I'm going to ask you to sort of change hats a little bit. Sure. Uh, Instead of prosecuting the psychiatric disability case, what do you envision or what has your experience shown are the particular um, difficulties or um, points in defending a case that uh, defense counsel or insurance claims people either have as an advantage or a disadvantage when they're faced with a psychiatric disability claim?
2: Well, I think part of the advantages that they have are that um, even some of the most um, employee-oriented judges that we've been in front of over the years, uh, those who tend to be very sympathetic and very empathetic with uh, injured workers, um, somehow have, in many cases, a built-in bias against um, believing uh, the, the, the versions given by employees on psychiatric and psychological cases. And it may not even be a conscious bias. It may just be an unconscious bias. But part of it is that uh, judges are human; they don't want to be taken advantage of by anyone, um, and to uh, be made to be played a fool by anyone. And so, I think that they they tend to be uh, to look with a little greater jaundiced eye at some of these these claims. And so, as a result, the uh, in, insurer's attorney will play to that uh, bias and hope to find it in the judge. Uh, to make them more skeptical of accepting on face value uh, the, the person's version of the history uh, and the version of, of its effect on that person. Um, so I think that that starts off with being a, an advantage. Every Everyone has stress in his or her life. Uh, I've yet to meet anyone who had a, a Pollyanna existence before something happened on the job that triggered them to now have a major depression or, or to... Uh, have a nervous breakdown. And so I I think the fact that some people can be in an extremely stressful job and and forget it the moment they walk out the door and be very blase about the way they do their job, while other people can be very stressed by even being a, a night watchman on an empty building. Um, that I think that also is something which uh, plays a part in the defense, that they'll try to convince the judge that this person is just overly sensitive and that no one else would have reacted the way this person did. Now, uh, that's that being said, um, unfortunately for the insurers and fortunately for us when we do get to litigation, um, unlike uh, insurers, doctors who see people for physical injuries, orthopedists and neurologists who, might tend to be very conservative and might uh, say, well, I I don't see the person's pain, therefore I don't have to believe it. Psychiatrists and psychologists are trained from the moment they begin their practice uh, to take a history and to, unless otherwise shown very conclusively that it's inaccurate or they're being misled, uh, to believe what they're told. So uh, when someone comes in on on an extreme example and says, I'm hearing voices or I'm seeing things, the fact that the psychiatrist or the psychologist can't see those things or hear, hear those things is not a basis for them saying that they doubt the person's validity or or credibility, uh, and therefore they tend to therefore take uh, at heart uh, what the person is saying. So if a person comes in and says to them, everything was great in my life and even though I've had some bad experiences and got, I got through the death of my parents or whatever, but once I started working at this company, once these things started happening to me, um, things started going downhill, and that this is by far the worst thing that's ever happened to me, and this is why I'm I'm now feeling the way I'm feeling and unable to cope and unable to function, that the psychiatrist tends to take that person at his word, and they will tend to put uh, great emphasis on the person's uh, explanation of why they are having these stresses and why they're having these anxieties, and so I think that from the defense standpoint, that's kind of the the, uh, the two-edged sword here is that uh, while the judges may tend to be a little bit more jaundiced in the way they look at these cases, uh, the doctors who are going to be used as experts in the case tend to be uh, believe the subjective basis of the psychiatric and psychological complaint, and therefore uh, they tend to uh, give more credence to what they're being told by uh, the injured worker than would be maybe a, um, a doctor who's seeing someone for a physical injury.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I've seen uh, a similar phenomenon. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Bernie Mulholland to talk about, uh, among other things, the case of the day. So we put Bernie to the test. We'll be right back.
0: We'll be right back on the Legal Talk Network with more from our host, attorney Alan S. Pierce, and his guest on Workers' Comp Matters, where we focus on the people and legal issues in workers' comp cases. You can listen to Workers' Comp Matters anytime on your computer. Or download the show to listen later. We invite you to join as a member to Legal Talk Network so you can get updates on our upcoming internet radio shows. A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com. Workers' Comp Matters with attorney Alan S. Pierce is produced right here at the Legal Talk Network by a staff of professional news broadcasters. We're the only ones who can provide the best quality shows with the latest legal news talk, and information in an interactive format you won't find anywhere else. Want to know more about Legal Talk Network host and attorney, Alan S. Pierce? He's nationally known for his expertise in workers' comp and the law, appointed by two governors to the State Workers' Compensation Advisory Council on the editorial board of the Journal of Workers' Compensation, leading lawyers across the country with a commitment beyond passion. Find out more about Attorney Pierce on the Legal Talk Network website under About Us.
1: Welcome back to Workers' Comp Matters where we're discussing psychiatric disability claims in the workers' compensation setting. And our guest this afternoon is Attorney Bernie Mulholland of Brockton, Massachusetts. Bernie, we're going to change gears a bit. Uh, We have a feature here on Workers' Comp Matters called Case of the Day. As you know, uh, as we both know, there is... No end to the types of workers' compensation cases, the factual bases, and the way people hurt themselves or become injured in the workplace that uh, uh, we are seeing constantly in the courts uh, and the industrial accident boards and commissions, uh, all sorts of very interesting uh, cases. I'm going to take you to this Commonwealth of Virginia. Okay. And I'm going to give you the facts of a case recently decided by the Virginia Court of Appeals, and let's see if you can predict. How they did. It's a case of the Norfolk Admirals versus Ty Jones. And Ty Jones was the claimant employee in this case. He was a right wing power forward for the Norfolk Admiral hockey team. On March 29th of two thousand two, he took the ice and immediately started a fight with an aggressive opponent. And as a result of that fight, he injured his right shoulder uh, to the extent that he had to have major surgery and the insertion of six screws into his shoulder. He claimed workers' compensation benefits. However, the team and its insurance company argued that he was not entitled to benefits because his injury did not occur or arise out of his employment, that it was a voluntary fight, that he instigated the fight, uh, that it was a personal undertaking, and that he uh, should not be entitled to benefits. Mr. Jones argued that his particular role on the team was what is known as the enforcer. It was his job, as he understood it, to get out there in a particular case and game and start a fight with an opponent, and he was injured as a result. The case made its way all the way to the Virginia Court of Appeals. How do you think they uh, held on this case was he entitled to workers comp or not
2: well uh, certainly although in in the setting of uh everyday life um starting a fight uh, can be what we call an intentional tort uh and however in certainly in Massachusetts um the fact that someone is the instigator of a fight if the fight is related to an incident of work um in other words uh, two people fighting over who should be whose turn it is to use the machine in the factory then even though the person who may have thrown the first punch uh, ends up losing the fight and becoming injured, um, in Massachusetts at least, that would be uh, a compensable case. Now, as far as his argument is concerned, and uh, certainly though I'm not a huge hockey fan, I'm quite uh, uh, aware of uh, the role of the enforcers in in hockey, is certainly comes to the benefit of the of the employer because it draws people into the stands and um it can stop other teams from uh maybe being so physical with uh your own teammates who might be uh smaller people that are uh more skilled position type hockey players than the person who is out throwing his weight around. So um certainly I think that his argument has a lot of merit in that uh it would be Um, something which would benefit his employer. It's something which is certainly part of the work environment and something which has been part of hockey now, drawing fans into the stands and uh, drawing hockey uh, um, uh, aficionados for years. So um, I would think that the court at that point, unless they've finally reached the point where they're now going to bring legal uh, scrutiny into all aspects of sports, um, I think that certainly the way Hockey's been traditionally, uh, and my feeling that is that the—and maybe it's because I'm biased for the employee—that the employee should have prevailed in that case.
1: Well, you hit the nail right on the head. In fact, the appeals uh, court in Virginia upheld the Workers' Comp Commission, finding that in this particular case and in general, fighting is an integral part of the game of hockey. The claimant's job on the team was to be an enforcer, and there was testimony from the director of the Professional Hockey Players Association that fighting is part of hockey and it's not prohibited by the league. So you are quite correct. Compensation benefits were awarded to Ty Jones. Uh, Bernie, just to wrap up, we've been talking about psychiatric disability cases, and when we were talking about defending these cases, you were uh, properly uh, talking about the balance between injured workers with psychiatric disability claims perhaps being portrayed by defense counsel as being overly uh, sensitive, yet the... uh, Physicians who may examine them are trained to be sympathetic to subjective complaints and subjective uh, disabilities. How does that affect the role of the client as a witness uh, and a historian? Because as you and I both know, these cases sometimes stand or fall on the credibility of the history and the ability of the person as a witness on the stand to communicate the circumstances of the injury and the disability.
2: Well, it it does depend uh, to a great extent on the on the effectiveness of the claimant as a witness, um, and so, as we know from uh, our own experience, psychiatric and emotional cases, um, you sometimes have uh, clients who have no af- no affect at all to their voice; they're very mon- monotone in their presentation. You have others who uh, dissolve into tears minutes into the testimony. Um, it it really boils down to uh, what appears to the judge anyway to be um reasonable and realistic uh, portrayal of what ended up happening at this job and how that job affected the person. And there are some incidents at work which are so universally abhorrent uh, that anyone would probably, uh, listening to the story, would, would think, gee, that could have been me, that uh, might have been me, and I can't see how I could have reacted much different than this person has it's amazing that they lasted as long as they did in the job or that they were able to uh, to continue functioning as long as they did. And there are other occasions in which uh, the person comes across to the judge as being someone who um, is a malcontent or someone who has such a long history of psychological and emotional problems uh, that uh, they end up sympathizing with the employer when they hear how much the employer did to try to accommodate the person or to try to help the person um and some people are their own worst enemies so it. it 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 very very much varies from claimant to claimant as to how well they're going to come across but as i'm fond of telling my clients in both physical cases and in emotional cases um sometimes you can be the greatest witness in the world and i can ask all the right questions and you may still have a a non-receptive audience it's up to the fact finder to decide what they find to be important and what they find to be credible so well we do the best we can and we portray it as, as, as sympathetically as we can. Um, but in many cases there's no, there's no protecting your client, uh, ultimately from a very effective cross-examination or from being ganged up on by other employers, employees in the, uh, in the workplace. So, um, that's why, as I said, we, we don't, we, we don't, go forward with these cases unless we really think the claimant is prepared to go all the way and to put up with what they're going to put up with.
1: Well, Bernie, I want to thank you very much for being a guest today on Workers' Comp Matters and helping us scratch the surface on this very difficult topic of prosecuting the psychiatric disability claim. Uh, We hope you'll join us for another Workers' Comp Matters show. Thanks for listening today. I'm attorney Alan Pierce. Hope you go out and make it a day that matters.
0: Thanks for listening to Workers' Comp Matters today on the Legal Talk Network, hosted by Attorney Alan S. Pierce, where we try to make a difference in workers' comp legal cases for people injured at work. Be sure to listen to other Workers' Comp Matters shows on the Legal Talk Network, your only choice for legal talk.